The question is, how do we reduce the interruptive cost of all that managerial activity that happens inside of an agency? And how do we do that using stand-up? And that means you change the questions, you change the choreography of how to do it, because your goal is different, right? The goal is different in what you're trying to solve than the original agile goal of stand-up was. Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver, and this is the Digital Agency Show the podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. We've put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 Lead Gen Strategies Checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Jack Skills. He is a thought leader, researcher, writer, speaker, podcast host, coach, and two-time Inc. 500 entrepreneur. He spent the last decade in the last uh, decade working with over 200 agencies, consultancies, and project-driven organizations to make them better, faster, and happier. His current business is Agency Agile. Jack, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me on here. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, give us like a high-level view of like what is what is Agency Agile uh, today? What's your focus? Well, we started out about 12 years ago and uh, we were working in agencies, all of us, four of us at the time, and um, we felt there could be a better way of doing things and it wasn't Agile. Uh, but it was something like it. And so we started off then on a brave adventure and found a few brave clients. And now it's, uh, like you said, over 200 clients later. And we've got a whole sort of purpose-built suite of things that make agencies go better. We come from digital agencies originally. So great success record and uh, tend to make agencies go better, faster, happier, hence our tagline. Yeah. So in terms of helping them to improve their, their client, in project process, or um, how do you guys specifically help them? So we we position ourselves, we help agencies uh, who sell better than they deliver, right? So a uh, lot of agencies are good at getting clients, right? And the problem often is keeping the clients and delivering well, which those two things go together, right? Yeah. So we're, we're really in the, you know, from the moment you've signed something till it goes out the door, that's where we're the specialists. We can help you do a lot better there. And assuming with the name Agile, so it's uh, you've evolved into more of a like an Agile or Sprint-based methodology? Yeah, I think we probably went the other way. We came from that originally. Okay. And then, uh, as some of your listeners may know, um, as you get into more richer marketing mixes as a digital agency, Agile kind of falls apart. So we've uh, we've sort of developed our own... Probably 70% of it is custom built based on research and, and the like. And the other 30% will look a lot like Agile. Yeah. Okay. So like what, um, I guess, help me understand what are some of the key concepts from Agile? I'm sure some of our listeners who are more from an app development sure, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, at this point, we probably all had had some like exposure to Kanban and uh, to 
you know, being able to have some kind of sprint in, in some way, shape, or form. But for the typical agency, what concepts from that model have you found work really well? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind here. One is that almost everything inside of what I call software agile, right? The, the original, almost everything inside of it preceded it, right? In other words, like Kanban's existed before, stand-up meetings existed before, et cetera. And, and the agile founders created specialized versions of those things. So stand-up meeting, I did stand-up meetings in the 1980s, right? Sure. But I didn't do three questions, I did two questions, you know? So the, the Agile founders stylized them, right? And so the what, what we really did in a way is we looked at every component in the Agile toolkit and things that were missing, because there are things missing, and said, is that the right way to do that, right? So mm. we style, we've restyled the whole stand-up meeting, for example, so you can do it with a 35-person agency all at once really well, and it achieves what the agency needs to achieve for the day which is different than what a standalone Agile team used to need to accomplish for the day. Right? Another example real quick that people get is people know about essentially Agile planning, you know, sticky notes on the wall and everything, and even planning poker where we all try to argue about how big each sticky note is using Fibonacci numbers and the like, yeah. right? But the problem is if you have a multidisciplinary team and you've got the designer looks at it and they say it's a five and the user experience person says it's an 11 and whatever, the tech guy says it's a 20. How do, there's no middle, doesn't make any sense. Actually, all the numbers are correct, right? So you need to actually rethink the planning process like we did. So we came up with a new way for doing something like agile planning, but it's a lot richer in the what. So okay. it does look like agile. Yeah. So, so can you give us an example of how, like, an agency with thirty-five team members might do a daily stand-up? Yeah. So, one of the so if we look at a the challenges that an agency of thirty-five people faces, one of which is it's very chaotic inside the agency. You've got a lot of projects going on at the same time, right? And that means you've got a lot of project managers, account managers, department managers, whomever else telling everyone what to do, and it, that's not the agile. The agile frame is stay the away from the team, right? Okay, stay away from the team, right? In an agency, that doesn't happen. And so the question is, how do we reduce the interruptive cost of all that managerial activity that happens inside of an agency? And how do we do that using the stand-up? And that means you change the questions, you change the choreography of how to do it. Um, so, because your goal is different, right? The goal is different in what you're trying to solve than the original agile goal of the stand-up was. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. Okay, so the the, in the actual questions, and then you, you use that word choreography. I can make some assumptions about what you might mean there, but for our audience, what, what do you mean by like the choreography of a, of a meeting? Yeah, like I think the question, so every meeting has a choreography, right? We, we have a protocol if we sit down for a regular meeting, like, okay, you called the meeting, what do you want to talk about, that sort of thing. So these there are these behavioral models. 
what we really want to do, if we, if we want to do it quickly but well, okay, a lot of people focus on stand-up has to be 15 minutes or less, which is not true, by the way. But a lot of people think that. The real goal is, can we accomplish what we need to accomplish in the stand-up? And so then there's a behavioral model for how to have those conversations, and we teach that. Right. And it has a bunch of pieces. And so it looks like this when you, when you know how to coach it, it looks like a dance, basically. Right. Is that, oh, this like, oh, maybe like an old square dance or a Victorian dance, right? Where, uh, when you turn around three times and hold your hand up or something like that, um, knowing when and how to bring things in. I'll give you a quick example that's in the book also. Okay. A lot of people wonder. Well, they don't wonder. That's the problem. But the question is, if I, as a manager, show up at a stand-up meeting and I've got new information, when should I inject it into the meeting? Mm. And almost every manager, I mean, literally, I ask the question all the time, when should you do it? Well, tell them right away. Well, it turns out in stand-up meetings, the best time to bring it up is in the middle or later. Bring it up. And we did empirical tests. We trained you know, multiple agencies for training at the same time. We tried it out. And there's a whole reason behind it, which is people come into stand-up with a plan in their head, okay? And if you blow the plan up right at the beginning of the meeting, it blows the meeting up. And the meeting takes like an extra 50% and still never, people don't really get settled. But this is the idea of repairing a plan versus replanning, right? And so let people go ahead with the plan and then have them repair the part you're going to change, totally counterintuitive, but the difference is hours of productivity inside the organization by just when, how you choreograph that introduction of information. Mm. So so you want to repair, not replan. You want to make people feel like, okay, I have this plan. I just learned some new information. I need to make some adjustments, but not like, what the heck? I just spent all this time this morning thinking about what I was going to be doing today. And now it's just like, Totally all for naught. I, I suspect if it was really that you were really blowing up the day with the information, like, hey, everyone, we got to leave the office and whatever, right? Then you do it at the beginning. But most of them are small things like, oh, by the way, this other thing has to get done by four o'clock. And it turns out we as humans are actually really good at group replanning. Right. Okay. It's just like a combat situation, right? Okay, here's what we we're gonna do to take that hill originally. Up. Oh, New information, what are we going to do? We're, we're actually really good at, at that as humans going off an existing plan. So it's a, it's a weird, cool kind of thing. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned, you know, a lot of agencies are good at maybe selling or, or finding clients, but not so great on the, the back end. And that's what you, you've been spending a lot of time in your, your career helping people with. What are some common pitfalls that people fall into? Like, why do I even need a solution? Why can't I just like muscle through it with whatever PM system or PM process that I have right now? Well, usually there are two things and um, they're really the core elements. One of which is in the digital agency business and the agency business in general, scope is far less knowable than we think it is. And so what happens because of the unknowability is we proceed with partially unknown, undiscovered scope. And we have this way of being myopic about it. And you know, if we look at agencies we've worked with and in the we work with the Society of Digital Agencies and the 4As and a bunch of those other organizations, typical agency overage rates, project overage rates are about 25 to 40%. In other words, we thought it would be 1,000 hours and it was 1,250 to 1,400 hours. Okay. That's that undiscovered scope, the scope that you find out, you find out eventually. 
but it's very costly and painful to find it out later. Mm. So better methods at the beginning actually change your ability to deliver because finding out later means you're late to the client, you're late going back to the client, you're, you're blowing up other projects too, right? Right. I mean, besides that, if you had a fixed price on it, you might be paying out of your own pocket to finish the project, which is never fun. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, a lot of times, so if you have to go back and ask the client for money, right? Yeah. When's the best time to do that? <laughs> Up front, right? In the middle of the meeting, I think I heard you earlier. <laughs> At the end of the <laughs> meeting. <laughs> um, so, and I feel like that, just that, I love that quote, right? Scope is less knowable than we think because we spend, even if we go in and do a really good job with discovery, things change and evolve and I think that's really even like, when I think of Agile, it's like, oh, here's a process that helps us be a little bit flexible with what we're focusing on and how much energy we're going to put into different things. What, what's an, another thing? So assuming that we have a, either a better scope or we know how to deal with scope, what else is, is something that is keeping people from, from delivering projects well? Well, I think one is you've gotten... An, difficult to know scope. And then that flows through a system you have, which is you've got the hunters who are out finding the business, right? And then it it has to go to the people who are going to deliver it, right? So handoffs are notoriously poorly done. Um, and you can write, I used to do a, a you know 15, an amazing 15 minute briefing for a $150,000 project when I was a group account director at Sapient. And the thing is that I always wondered why people for the next six months would be coming and asking me questions constantly about the briefing that I'd done, right? You probably recognize this. You're smiling. We don't do that as well as we think. We the speed of the speed of knowing is different than the speed of understanding. And mm. um, so one of our techniques is actually how do you how do you drive a briefing in a different way to create better transfer of knowledge about the account and the project and the like? And likewise, the same thing happens with scope. And the more you can transfer that, then the smoother teams run as well. Mm. And that was that was a principle inside of Agile, but the Agile principle doesn't work real well because it's based on this, well, let the team every two weeks figure out what they're going to work on. You can't do that in today's projects. You've got the client wants a whatever by November 15th, and it is that thing by November 15th. So you, you need to be more declarative about it and the like. But yeah. that 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 idea, the sooner I can get the team to take complete ownership of the project, the better the project will run is is absolutely a truism. Yeah. So because I mean you see that a lot where somebody hands off a project and they think, you know, I like the 15 minute brief, right? They they do this brief and then the person receiving the project like reads the brief and is like, oh, okay, everything looks great. Um, and I think this is that that speed of knowing versus understanding. And then a week later, a month later, they actually get into like doing the work and they look back at the brief and they're like, well, wait a minute, like, I don't understand this. And then now you're well into the project. Salesperson's having to come back in, account managers having to come back in and 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 fix, or or maybe something gets built and is not then what the original intent was. But you're saying that that's where that gap between like, hey, knowing, like, I, I literally know what you mean by this versus like, truly understanding the objective or outcome or the thing that's being solved here. Yeah, it, you, you nailed it exactly. And and part of the problem also is that people at the front end of the process, there's cool research on this, by the way, people at the front end of the process are far more com- comfortable with, with VUCA, right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. 
than the people who actually have to deliver. So the people who deliver actually ask better questions about that stuff than the people who sell it. And so what we find is that actually the the team, if you will, the team asks questions of the account people and whomever that were never asked of the client, right? Mm. And so there's a there's a richness to the understanding that that doesn't even exist in the first place. So you can't under you can't pass along understanding you don't have, right? Well, and I've heard that acronym before. Can you, for our listeners, just sure, kind of hit that I again? I fumbled it there, didn't I? Yeah. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Yeah, VUCA. VUCA. Yeah, VUCA. Yeah. All right. So, so if you're if you're an agency owner and you're more sales oriented and you're trying to get that deal and you're like pushing it through, you're probably a little bit more uh, okay with the VUCA, but your team oh, that totally. actually has to do stuff is not super like they don't they don't get super excited about that or they or even just i noticed with my team like well i'll have like a high confidence like oh yeah we can figure that out and and my ops or project management team or like people that have to go in and build the stuff they're like whoa, whoa hold on <laughs> hold right, on exactly, exactly, when, when, yeah. when you say you want this do you want this or this and then i'm always like oh crap like we have to make decisions in here there's it's not as simple as you know as it as it seems on the front end so and yeah, you're absolutely right. Great example. And the what gets worse about it is that since you were the front end to the client, right? Okay, that you and the client are equally as ignorant in that way. <laughs> okay. So it, in essence, what we have is people say clients are stupid; they don't know what they want. But really, a lot of times, clients identify the scope that we didn't identify, and they come up with a stupid answer for the scope. Absolutely, that happens a lot. But the point is, you didn't nail it down, anyways, right? So, essentially, the when when good scoping happens, it looks like the team and the client have the same understanding of the project, right? That's good scoping. It doesn't. No offense, Brent. It doesn't matter whether you understand the scope. You're not building it, right? Yeah. And, and you're not the one who's going to have to live with it after you pay for it. Uh, the team and the client are the two that play that role. So then how do you bridge that gap? Is it is it involving them in the process or is it having, I mean, I assume you have to do that, right? Because if, if if I'm the one helping the client come up with the scope and I'm a, a VUCA aficionado and I'm, <laughs> you know, I don't need specifics and I don't need decisions on these things, right? Like, I mean, I assume I'd have to just get buy-in before we ever commit to a scope. Well, I, I think that, you know, that in one way, that's not all that practical. I, I agree that that would be ideal. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. Some of our clients accomplish that. One of the challenges is because clients don't understand what they're buying, they'll do, you'll have a conversation, which I'm sure you recognize, where the client says, hey, Brent, got a cool project, need it by November 15th. It's I got $200,000. Do you want it or not? And you may go, suppose you've been trained by Agency Agile and you have these really awesome scoping techniques. You go, I don't know. Let me get the team. We'll go actually scope this for you, right? Yeah. And and your client goes, no, no, hold on, Brent. I, I don't think you heard me clearly. I have $200,000 and I need it by November 15th. Do you want it or not? And if not, then there's this other agency that calls me every Friday and I'm sure they'd take it and say, <laughs> yes, maybe even 180000 right? I can save twenty k. And so you say, you do a smart move. You say yes, right? So. In a sense, a lot of times the project gets defined by the market opportunity, okay, not by an actual definition of the project. And so we we sort of treat that as the default condition. So if, say, fine, we took it for two hundred. Maybe it's a little bit more than that, but we'll take it for two hundred. And now let's bring it in house, get the scope nailed down, and then take it back to the client and say, by the way, 
here's what here's what we sold you, what you sold, you know, what you bought from us, and have that conversation right away, right? Yeah. And and that way, you know, even if you go, wow, it's 240k worth of work, at least now you know. Yeah. Right? It's not going to damage other projects later on. Yeah. Hey, agency owners, are you looking for a strategic and reliable white label partner to scale your agency business? E2M is the number one white label partner for digital agencies when it comes to website design, web development, e-commerce, SEO, and content writing. E2M is trusted by over 150 agency partners and has been providing white label services for the last 10 years. Their team has over 170 experts and is on a mission to help 500 agencies increase their revenue and profit margins with impactful white label services. Check out their transparent and flexible white label pricing at e2msolutions.com forward slash gurus. That's www.e, the number two, msolutions.com forward slash u-g-u-r-u-s. E2M is currently running a special discount for 10% off for your first three months. Check it out now. It's available for a limited time. So, I mean, I assume that if you're doing more of this work up front internally, maybe there's an opportunity at least to mitigate the risk of we're at the end of the project and now we're uncovering and now we don't have as much flexibility in the decisions that we're making because it's like we've maybe already like made the bet, right? Maybe we've already made certain things that have dependencies or, or we've kind of backed ourselves into certain like design decisions or development decisions, that have taken the project a certain direction that maybe had we thought about it more earlier on with the team, we could have maybe mitigated some of that. Yep, spot on. I I, I like to say there's this idea that is, if you, you know, remember the 1,000 hours versus 1,400 hours, it, if you don't discover the 1,400 hours early, it will discover you later, right? Okay. So if I'm going to beat the 1400, I'd rather beat it than have it bit, beat me, right? Yeah. And that's a matter of knowing it early on. I can allocate resources. I can try and be clever and get it down to 1200. But if you if you're not looking for it, it'll it'll announce itself painfully too. Yeah. Or maybe coming back to the client and instead of asking for more money later, asking them to say, "Look, here's what we've uncovered. We need to make some decisions around this because we can't, you know, we didn't bill you 240, we billed you 200." And we need to make some of these decisions like earlier rather than later. Um, yeah, and may, we, maybe that's a better conversation. <laughs> it, it's a much better conversation. First, first of all, a lot of times clients hold back some money, anyways, because they they know the dance, right? Another thing is that it's a good time to actually have that conversation from the perspective of they didn't know what they were getting, anyways. A lot of mm. what our agencies report report to us is that the client will say, well, this is great. I didn't really understand the project and thank you for educating me. And it sounds like it's bigger than either of us thought it was. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. And at least you've got that conversation. And also you lock the scope down. Agencies don't realize how much of their scope challenges come from the fact that they or the client are discovering it late. And like you see, you, you did a great job of describing some of the ramifications of that. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot of fun, man. I appreciate this conversation, Jack. I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, you know the material. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we could, we could nerd out on this and I, I'm sure people can find out more information. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Do you have a quick second for our lightning round? Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? I, I think, well, I just, I just finished writing a book. So um, uh, eight years ago, someone said, you need to write a book. You're stupid if you don't. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Oh my! I I always wanted to be a uh, a uh, Renaissance man, 
And so I'm interested in in everything. I read Scientific American Archaeology Review, on and on and on. And I, I think that the sort of broad um, exposure to stuff helps me see a broader picture, right? Can you share an internet tool, uh, an internet resource, a tool or app that you think our listeners would find valuable? I, I'm a I'm a humans person, right? So I'm I, you know I, I think the I, I, I it's it's corny, it's nerdy. Uh, Scholar Google Scholar is one of my favorite tools in terms of just being able to dig through stuff and the like. So. And what book would you recommend uh, besides your own? We'll we'll do a plug for that here in a second. For what? For just anyone? Yeah, for, just what book could you recommend for agency owners? Um, I, I for you know for agency owners. Wow, there's so many good ones. Um, I would read uh, Ricardo Semler if you want to be contrarian. Ricardo Semler's books, uh, Seven Day Weekend or Maverick, are really good places to start. Again, they're sort of older books. But a lot of great stuff has been worked out over the years past. Also, I'd say Joe Phelps has a book, uh, Joe Phelps, who's the founder of Phelps Group, called Pyramids Are Tombs. A little bit dated now, but it's got a lot of great thinking about how to keep your organization. He had a really cool flat 90-person organization. Very cool. Well, we will link out to Seven Day Weekend, Maverick, and Joe Phelps' book, Pyramids Are Tombs. And Google Scholar over on our show notes page at yougurus.com slash podcast. Jack, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have they can check out? Well, agencyagile.com, I've got a lot of postings on Medium. Uh, if you go look for me there, I've also got a podcast of my own, uh, not as as fancy and, and famous as yours, but it's called The Art of Dot Management. The Art of, all one word, dot management, and I... Do more of this kind of irreverent stuff about a uh, contrarian way of thinking about how agencies operate or should operate. Very cool. Well, we will link out to your podcast, agencyagile.com. Your book, I believe that's out? It's coming out in about a month here, yeah. Okay, Just, so yeah. go. by the time this episode is aired, Jack's book will likely have been out. So if you're looking for a link to pick up his book, follow him on social media, go to his website, his podcast, all that good stuff. Check out yougurus.com slash podcast. Listen to this week of, you'll see Jack's picture up there at the top. Click on him and we'll have lots of tips, tools, takeaways, and all those links in one place. Things like scope is less knowable than we think. I think that'll be awesome. That's going to be one of my my takeaways (laughs) from today's episode, man. It's just like, we don't know crap is what I do. (laughs) Until we we get into the dirt and then we're like, oh crap, this is going to be, this is going to take us longer than we thought. So uh, Jack, it's, uh, it's great having you on the show, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks so much, Brent. Real pleasure. Take care. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. We put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 Lead Gen Strategies Checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency.